Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Grace invites surrendering. By our heads, close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we yield to your word this morning, God. We want to be transformed, not out of our own efforts. We don't trust our own capacities. But God, this morning, we want to learn that you are inviting us for surrendering. To give up, God, on our strength and on our strategies and give it all to you. And as we do that, you give us your victory. You give us everything we need. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. 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 Galatians chapter 3, verse 21, until the end of the chapter 3. So we go until verse 29. The Bible says, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. 22. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Hands up, say, I believe. Say, I believe. So you are part of the promise. Verse 23, now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that the faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, a nanny, a nurse, a tutor. We don't need a guardian for, verse 26, in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring. Heirs according to to the promise. What then the law? The law reveals our powerlessness. How weak we are to perform and get there. There where? In heaven. There where? In the perfection of God. But the law is not evil. The law is not bad. The law, it is holy, it's perfect. The law reflects God's perfection in our imperfection. And now we want to throw it away, the law. No, the law continue being extremely effective to bring that realization, that sense of incapacity, that invitation to surrender. Romans chapter 7 verse 12 says, So the law is holy, but God is holy. The commandments, the commandment is holy. God is holy. The commandment is righteous. God is righteous. The commandment is good. God is good. So you see that some attributes um, 
given to the law, attributed to the law, are actually attributes of God. So the function of the law is not necessarily to grant us salvation, but to convince us that we need salvation. We need to come to the point that you claim, you cry, you ask for salvation. No one can be justified by trying to keep the law. The law condemns. It does not save. The law does not give life. The Judaizers, those legalistic people inside of Galatia church, they were saying, no, keep the law and you're going to have life. You're going to finally be sanctified. But Paul's counter argument says, if you be honest with yourself, you're going to realize that you'll never be able to fulfill the law. It is only by grace through faith. So God's goal through the law is to show our failure, our incapacity to keep the law. And to lead us to believe. Believe in the promise. Believe in Christ. The purpose of the law is not to improve us, but to reveal us. To expose our weakness. Whenever we relate to God, based on our deservedness, we're putting ourselves under the law again. And there is no way to be an overcomer over sin and that horrible, habitual, sinful lifestyle. That immorality cravings that pulls you back into that almost animal instinct lifestyle. There is no way to overcome that anger, temper, or even that misbehavior that you know inside of your new nature that is incompatible with your born-again nature. Unless... You surrender to the new covenant. Unless you surrender to the work of the Spirit. Unless you give up on the law system of belief. Romans chapter 6, 14 says, For sin will have no dominion over you. Hallelujah, I want that. How? Since you are not under the law, but under grace. So, the problem is that a lot of us are saved by grace, but then we try to sanctify, fix ourselves, fix our marriage, fix my behavior with the system of the law. But the law is the old covenant. It has passed away. Hebrews chapter 8, 13, in speaking of the new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete. And what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Uh, I don't know if you ever had this experience, but this example is coming to my mind. Uh, you probably know that by uh, print ink is more expensive than the printer itself. How many of you guys know this terrible information? But the worst is when you try to keep printing in your home. Like your printer has no problem whatsoever. It's just becoming obsolete. And you have no chance to make the thing work not because it's not uh, working in the sense of mechanics and electric aspect. It works, but there is no supply to make it functional anymore. You can't buy ink anymore. The law is obsolete. There is no strength to obey the law. You need Grace. 
The question remains, why then the law? That's the honest question of the brothers of Galatia. They're asking, okay, if it's all by grace through faith, if my justification and my victory, victorious life, it all relies and end up in faith, why then the law? Number one, to reveal the image of God, the character of God. I said this in other messages. It is a fact that the ancient goddess and entities and those divinity figures in the ancient world, they were extremely unpredictable. They, you know that in somehow they were just a projection of human instincts and human nature. So you have this love God that instead of actually creating loving, caring people, it will steal your wife from you. You had this uh, very bipolar God that just in, he woke up in a mood. He decide, decided to throw a, a, a lighting bulb over your field and destroy with a wildfire everything you had planted in that harvest. And you are now in that feeling that maybe God needs to receive something to be appeased. But the law reveals how God is not unpredictable. The law reveals how good our God is. How holy our God is. That's why he says you shall not murder. Because he's saying I don't like to murder people. That's why God says, you shall not steal because God says, you don't need to steal. Just ask me. I can bring things out of nothing. So the law reveals God's character. But one thing for sure also reveals, reveals what sin is. And somehow how distant we are from God because of our sinfulness. And I say this because today it seems that sin is almost a prohibited word. And people tend to call, no, this is just my Italian hot blood background, family inheritance. No, just call sin. You have an anger. It's not an anger dysfunction. You have sin. Uh, no, no, no. This is just because, you know what? I, you know, I have Latino, Brazilian background. That's why I never come in the right time. It's just our way to be. And unfortunately, some of us even, you know, carry the little badge. I'm Brazilian, so I can get late in any place, any hour. No, no, call this sin. You're just not fulfilling your word. You're just lying that you're going to come to a certain time and you're not coming anymore. Just call the name. And I say this because this is how the Bible calls it. Look, 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practice lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. So the, the law will reveal and, 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 and dis, describe, define what is sin. Now what for? The goal of God is to show, look, I did not call you to be a sinner. When I created you, I created you after my image, after my likeness. And I am holy. I am perfect. I am caring. I am good. But now because of sin, you fell short of this glory, of this image I created you to be. That's why Romans chapter 3 verse 23 says, For all have sinned. And because of that, we all have, short, have fall short of the glory of God. The law is this thread rope sent by God in our pit of misery and sinfulness. 
And now we want to get out of this. We wanted to get out of the, the, the deeps, the depth of this pit. But we can't. We try to hold on the rope, but we don't have his strength enough. So what did God do? He sent his son. His son perfectly used the law and nod the law on us. Give me the word. Um, make a, uh, entangle the law on us. And when his son died, was buried, and was resurrected, defeated death, now in heaven, everyone who believes in him, he pulls the thread robe to heaven to be with him. Romans chapter 3, 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be stopped, and that whole, the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes knowledge of sin. The first idea is to reveal how perfect God is and how imperfect humanity became because of sin. Number two, why then the law? The law was supposed to be a guider, was supposed to be a guardian, was supposed to be a tutor, a nurse, a nanny. I had a nanny. My mom uh, uh, had three kids already, and I came. So I was number four. She was extremely busy taking care of her business. She was a uh, commerce woman. My dad, successful businessman as well, didn't have time for that extra son that came. So they hire a nanny. And her job, solely protect me against myself. Because since childhood, I love superheroes and I truly believe I was Superman. And I could really kill myself trying to fly. Her only job was to show my limitations. She was hired to prove how limited I was and I needed help. Verse 24, Galatians 3.24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by Faith. In a certain sense, the law is also a protection. It's a protection to the sinner against himself and also against others. But the problem of the law, like my nanny, is that it doesn't have power to change the nature of this wild beast with two legs that really thinks that he's a superman and can eat roaches just because he's hungry. Like, Inside of us, there's this little animal that it, it, without the guardian, we're going to literally destroy ourselves. So we needed the law. Verse 26. However, in Christ, you are a son. You are a daughter of God through faith. So only in Christ, my wild beast nature could be actually changed but until i was under the law i was only tamed i was only disciplined educated somehow and honestly that's interesting because 
because of this knowledge of the law, it's where pride and prejudice begins. Because people think they are more educated than others. They are more lecture in the law than others. So they feel that they are more elevated, evolved than others. No, no, no. In essence, we are all little animals that are just tamed by the fear of the law. But in Christ Jesus, there is no fear. There is genuine change. There is genuine nature change. Right now, it's not a matter of obedience out of fear. It is a matter of fruits of my new, of my new nature. Now, the love, the joy, the peace, patience, self-control are fruits of my new spirit. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the spirit is love. The fruit of the spirit is joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. 23. Gentleness, self-control. It's not the law taming me. It's just a fruit of my new spirit. Come on, somebody. Say a good amen in the house. And against such things... There is no law. Now, I like another illustration that came to my mind while I was preparing this message. Um, I also one day was a trainee. I was studying to, to become a teacher, which I uh, eventually became one for 10 years, a, a physics teacher. Yes, I am a physicist. And remember that when I was graduating in college, I had to teach to my already students, high schooler students, but now I had that tutor inside of my classroom. She was 60 plus years old, and her job was only one, to point my mistakes, to show how incapable I was to be a good teacher. But it was, I was already teaching for four years. My students loved me. They nicknamed, they nicknamed me. Uh, and we had fun. I invented music for, so they could memorize the physics formulas that they would never use for the rest of their lives. But I taught them something. But she was there always pointing how clumsy man I was. And every little mistake will be graded, evaluated in a negative form. The problem was not my tutor. The problem was my Incompetence. The problem was not the tutor demanding the right thing to do. Remember, the law is good, is perfect, is holy, but the worker here is limited. But God sent his perfect son to do the work for us. And whoever believes in him gives him the right to perform the job. Somebody going to say, but this is cheating, pastor. You cannot do that. It depends if you are honest with the boss. If you come to the boss and you honestly, humbling say, boss, I try. But look how terrible is my marriage. Boss, I try. But look, my sons, they are all falling away. Look, boss, I really try. But look, I can't control even my own habits, boss. I could not do it. So I call and I cry out for your son. And he came and he did it for me. Now the boss will answer back. Look, son, I wanted the job done. When I look to you, I see it is finished. 
And because it is finished, and because you honor my son, I will acknowledge you. Close illustration. The way you treat Jesus in your heart, the way you honor Jesus in your heart, is the way you experience grace and favor from God. The more we honor Jesus, more the Lord honors you. Why then the law, pastor? It's an honest question from the Galatians. If it's all about grace through faith, why then the law? The law in Christ Jesus was to become a promise. We said this very briefly in one of the messages. But in Christ, the law becomes promises. What I mean about that, I mean that now it is not a commandment, but it is an empowerment to be a reality inside of you. No, it can't be true. Yeah, it is true. This is what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 31. When the prophet was promising about the new covenant, a new covenant that we're not going to demand from us obedience. Verse 33, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel. After those days, I will put my law within them. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and teach his brother saying, Know the Lord. For they shall all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. What is wonderful about the new covenant is that you can talk with one of our elementary schoolers to one of our graduate college students, and if they got grace, they know the Lord in the same way. Let me keep with the stretch of the idea that in Christ, the law Became a promise. Ezekiel 36, 27. I will put my spirit within you. And cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. This is so good to be true, Pastor. And it is true. Colossians 1, 26. The mystery that the heroes of the past could not even fathom. For ages was hidden in generations. But now is revealed to his saints. Just poke the saint close to you and say, you are a saint. Just tell him, tell her, you are a saint. Yeah, you may not believe that, but it is true. You are a saint, my brother. If you believe, you are a saint. 27, to them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery. Which mystery? Christ in you. Now you say to him and to her, why she or he is a saint because Christ is in you. Just tell him, Christ is in you. And that is the hope of glory. The indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit turn us capable of keeping God's commandments. In the Old Testament, it was said, I command you, you shall not kill. But in the New Covenant, the Bible changes the tone and says, I promise you, because you believe in my son, because of the power of my spirit within you, you shall not kill. It's totally different perspective. 
It is not anymore a craving, a desire, because our nature is incompatible with sin. That's why it's very important that if you really want to destroy this habitual sin in your life, if you really want to overcome these destructive habits in your life, you need to not turn more to the law, but turn more to the grace. Romans chapter 8, verse 3, For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do. By sending His Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us. Raise one of your hands and say, in me. Yes, the righteous, righteous requirements of the law are fulfilled, raise your hand again, in me, in you, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the to the Spirit. Here's the key. We just need to surrender. We just need to surrender to the work of the Spirit. That began, it is accomplishing, and keeps inviting us to surrendering. Galatians 3.27 For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew, Greek, there is neither slave, free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Let's put on Christ. Let's turn ourselves to Him. Let us surrender our attempts again to Him. We don't need to give ourselves another chance. We need to give heaven, grace, another chance. Someone is going to say, Pastor, I'm getting Grace is such a, an amazing doctrine. I'm learning so much about grace. Oh, pastor, keep preaching and teaching this amazing teaching. You are missing the point. Grace is not a doctrine. Grace is not a teaching. A teaching I, I give to you. A teaching or a lecture, I can write it down and pass on to you. Moses also wrote a very profound teaching. The law, John 1.17, was given through Moses. But grace and truth, repeat after me, grace and truth. This order matters. Say again, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. So he came because it's not a thing. It is a person of Christ himself coming with grace and truth. Pastor, I know people that call themselves Christians, but they live a very weird life. I don't judge people's life. I judge myself. And I know that without the grace of God, I will never be able to respond the truth. Remember when... The woman caught in adultery. She was caught in the act. She was caught in the very act of sin. No excuses, no way to hide. Jesus protect her saying, those that does not have a sin, throw the first rock, everybody disperse and go away. And now it's only Jesus and the woman. And here we see exactly what it means. Grace and truth coming. Jesus stood up and said, Woman, 
Where are your accusers? Where are they? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Grace. Grace came. Grace came. Grace came. Let me say something, guys. If our church is becoming more educated and theological right in our uh, reformed theology of grace, and, and, and we, were, we were only receiving teachings, but not receiving the person of Christ, which is grace incarnated within us. In other words, we're going to be a very big head, scholarly formed people, but very hard in our hearts. And now we are embracing this new legalistic mindset. Who are you to speak with me, you dumb? You don't know, even know what grace is. Go away from here. I say, no, Pastor, we're never going to get to this. Yeah, believe it or not, I am starting to listen to these stories in our church. Oh, I'm learning so much of grace. Poor of my fellow Christian brothers. They know nothing about the grace. What kind of doctrine is that? That doesn't change your heart in a more gracious heart. More patient heart. More compassionate heart. Our language should be, I do not condemn. Always. But look the other side of the truth. Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. <clears throat> For years I read this verse and I thought, you see, Jesus is now putting in the woman's lap the responsibility of just go and sin no more. But the more grace is being revealed for us, more understanding that this is actually an empowerment. Because I do not condemn you, woman, because of my grace, you can go and sing no more. Such a different way to see. Pastor, but why the law? The law was given to bring people like you. One day was brought to surrender. The lost people are lost because they did not realize yet they are lost. Look what the Bible says in 1 Timothy 1.8. Now we know that the law is good if one uses it lawfully. Understanding this, that the law is not laid down for the just. Raise your hand. Say, I am that just. Yeah, the law is not appointed for the righteous person, for the born again. But for the lawless and disobedient, ungodly, sinners, unholy, profane, for those who strike their fathers, mothers, murders, the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, slavery, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine. In accordance with the gospel of the glory of blessed God, of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted. The impious, ungodly, the unbeliever, they have to listen a lot about the law. They have to. The saved, the righteous, the sons of this house, needs to listen a lot about the grace. The purpose of the law 
is to make the ungodly realize that he needs a savior.